appreciate all the music today, the emphasis on the Holy Spirit and the longing and thirsting after God. That really is the theme for this Sunday's message. But I guess now that you know, Tom did a touche to me from this morning in our early service when I, I called him out about the, the donuts, and you'll hear about that in a moment. I guess I've got to talk about the bucket, so I will, all right? So it really all works well for the introduction anyway, all right? But I'm not going to preach the whole sermon with a bucket down there, so I'm going to pick it up in a minute. <clears throat> but, all right, so a couple of weeks ago, all of our ministers, ministerial staff, we, we got to go to Orlando, and I tried my best to tell you as a church family that it was the SEND conference. I tried my best to put the D on the end, because if I don't do that, it sounds like the SEND conference. And it's not good for a bunch of ministers to go off to the SEND conference. So we went to the SEND, as in being sent. Um, that's the emphasis of both the North American Mission Board of our Southern Baptist Convention, which targets North America with the gospel, and the International Mission Board, which targets the world with the gospel. It's an awesome conference. It's going to be in Atlanta in a couple of years. I want a big group from our church to go. Life-changing experience. Great fellowship as a, as a church staff, too. So we were gone the whole week. And I made it my goal to try to be healthy the entire week that I'd be away from home, away from the gym and all these things. So the morning that we were to leave, which was Monday morning, I got up really early and went to the Mike Daniel Rec Center and did my morning swim and swam all those laps. And then I, I guess I was in a real hurry to get back um, home to get ready for the trip. And, and so I unfortunately left my swimsuit in the locker room after I'd taken my shower. And so I left the swimsuit there and I realized that once I got home, it takes about 15 minutes or so from our house to Mike Daniel. And I thought to myself, hmm, um, I knew there was a swimming pool close to the hotel that we were staying, a YMCA aquatic center. So in my mind, I said, I, I can go swimming down there. And, but it doesn't make sense to go get the swimsuit and come back. And so I said, we'll just pick it up on the way out of town. And so that's what we did. And, you know, got a bunch of chlorine water. You want to you wash it out. So, so I had my bucket, all right? And so all week long, the big joke was Pastor Kate in the bucket. We go to a restaurant and they'd be like, bucket, party of seven, your food's ready. And I mean, it's like they used, they used the bucket thing all week on me, all right? Um, but so I, I had the bucket. I went and got the swimsuit. And here, here's, here's, here's this. This is the funny part, all right? So I knew that I had, you know, obviously uh, had a shower and changed, but I thought, where did I leave that swimsuit, you know? Then I'm walking into the locker room thinking to myself, there's a very good chance that the swimsuit is hanging up inside a shower stall as someone is taking a shower. What am I gonna do, you know? Hello, I need my swimsuit, you know, be all over the paper, local pastor, you know, whatever. Uh, so, ah, somebody, I guess, had taken it and thrown it in a corner. And so I picked it up off the ground and put it in my bucket. And that bucket had a little bit of, you know, water in it and all this. And so I, I walk out back to the bus with my bucket, you know, and, and I put it in the back and they got it on video. And it's just a big ha 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 joke. Yeah, laugh, laugh, laugh. Go ahead. All right. So the whole week, it really sets up my point that I was intentional. I was going to swim. I was going to be healthy. I was going to watch what I was going to eat. So we get there. The first night, we... We eat at this California pizza kitchen, and I didn't order any pizza. That's a lot of carbs and all that, so I, I ordered a salad, and it was a great salad. Everybody coveted my salad that I ate with. They, they oh, that looks really good, Cade. Then everybody but me ordered dessert, 
And one of my colleagues um, didn't finish his dessert and said, Kay, do you want the rest of this? And I couldn't let good food go to waste, you know? <laughs> and I just believe in the value of, of the dollar. So, no. um, so I ate the dessert. And then we, you know, got back to the hotel and, and had to conference the next two days. It was busy, but, but I, 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 you know, I planned to maybe swim. I found out they were having a swim meet that week. No exercise swimming was being allowed. I'm like, okay, well... I got the bucket and the swimsuit for no reason now. But then I thought, well, I can go running. I brought my running shoes. But, you know, it was really hot. I mean, this is Florida, not even near the beach. And I didn't know the area real well. And I did see some people running up and down the road by the hotel. But I didn't, I, you know, I didn't have my, my watch that I usually wear. And, and so I just didn't run that week. Um, then the last night, we had dinner as a staff. And then we went out to get gasoline, to gas up the vehicle, because we were getting up early to come back to LaGrange Friday morning. And after dinner, because the ministers on our staff just love dessert, I guess, they, they see a Dunkin' Donuts, and they go to a Dunkin' Donuts. I don't, I mean, I don't drink coffee, so, but I didn't order a donut. And, and one of our staff members who, um, I pointed them out in the early service, Tom Farr, Tom realized that it was, less expensive to buy a dozen donuts than two or three. And so he bought a dozen and laid, laid those down on the table before me and all the staff and everybody reaches in for a donut after a big full meal. And there were two donuts. Um, they really were calling my name. I'm, I really believe that. And one was chocolate, one was coconut covered. And, and I, and I, I broke off one in half. I started eating it. And then, you know, by then my hands were already on the donut and they would have <laughs> been neglected, so I just had to finish them off. Um, <laughs> excuses, excuses, excuses. That's all that I did that whole week. Why I couldn't eat healthy, why I couldn't, uh, coupled with temptation that I had to deal with, which goes perfectly with this morning's passage in Genesis chapter 3. Turn there in your Bibles, Genesis 3. So when you talk about making excuses, we're gonna look these next three weeks, it's really kind of a two-part series. No more excuses, just say yes. And making those excuses, we look in the Old Testament and there are examples, and I'm gonna move this bucket now. All right, put it right here. Old Testament examples of where they make excuses for not doing what God has called them to do. And what we find and what we're going to find over the next few weeks is that we make the same kind of excuses in our own spiritual lives. In the book of Genesis, I've entitled this message this morning, God is more than enough. More than enough. Genesis begins in chapter 1 with the framework of creation. Very systematically, God explains how he creates the heavens and the earth in a very orderly, specific way. The crowning moment of his creation was that he made male and female in the image of God, he created them, the Bible says. Then Genesis chapter 2, that chapter focuses upon God's creation of mankind. A little more specific information in that chapter. In chapter 2, verse 15 is where we'll begin this morning, and we'll end up in chapter 3. So look there in your Bibles. If you don't have your Bible, it's okay. We have the scriptures on the screen. There are some pew Bibles, and at least there's a sermon outline in your bulletin to show you where we're going. Genesis 2, 15. Then 
the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. The command is given. The next verse, verse 18 the Lord tells him that it's not good for man to be alone. And all the men here say amen, that he made a woman, a helper suitable to complete and fulfill Adam. And, and God talks about how he created Eve and how he officiated and established the institution of marriage. Bone of his bones, flesh of his flesh, Adam and Eve married together. Then we come to chapter 3. And my, oh my, how the plot thickens. Look there in your Bibles, Genesis 3. Now the serpent, verse 1, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. This is God's word and we'll stop here. The serpent was crafty indeed. Eve gives in to the enemy's temptation. Apparently Adam says nothing. We know he's there. The text says he was with her. And both Adam and Eve participate wholeheartedly in rebellion against their creator and their maker. But before we come down too hard on Eve and Adam, let's be honest about ourselves. I've already confessed my sins of gluttony this, uh, this morning and the forbidden D Dunkin' Donuts that I ate. How would any of us, though, would have, how, how would we have fared? And I would say in their shoes, but they were naked. So, you know what I mean? How would we have fared in their place? This was a powerful temptation given by a very extremely crafty and persuasive serpent that we know wasn't just a literal beast, but that Satan himself had personified that deceiver from the very beginning, Jesus says, who is a liar. I don't think any of us would have passed the test. So we keep reading in chapter 3, and Adam and Eve are confronted by the Lord God. And their response to God is very telling. Adam, as the leader, responds to God first. When God asks, where are you? And God asks, how do you know you're naked? And 
did you eat of the tree? God, of course, knew they did. He was testing and asking and pursuing them. And Adam responds, the woman you gave me <laughs> gave me the fruit and I ate. He didn't say, Eve gave me the fruit. He said, no, Lord, I'm going to make an excuse for why I did what I did. That woman you gave me. He blamed her, but he blamed God. The Lord asked Eve, what's her case that she can make? And she very honestly says, the serpent deceived me and I ate. The rest of the chapter, God brings judgment upon the serpent, upon Eve, upon Adam. But the scriptures teach us that we are in Adam, that we have inherited both sinful nature of our first parents and also the sinful choices that we make. Theologians call chapter three of Genesis the fall. Humanity falls headfirst into sin. And we're so much like our first parents because we wanna make excuses, we wanna rationalize, justify why we can't obey God, why we, you know, God, why do you make that food taste so good? God, why, why, did, why was the gym closed this week? God, you know, all these things we could say. Why did you make the opposite sex so attractive? And all these different excuses that we think sometimes and maybe even believe and say. But our God is a holy God, a good God. And may he have mercy on us as we have inherited this sinful nature. Now, if I were a moralistic preacher or even a legalistic preacher, I'd have just one point from the sermon today and it would be, obey God. Just do what God says all the time that he says it and you'll have a better life. And that is true that if the world would live by the 10 commandments, it'd be a better world. But I'm not that kind of preacher, I'm a gospel preacher. And that statement, just obey God, there's more to this passage. I always want to know why. Well, they, they just disobeyed, but why did they disobey? That's what we're going to explore today. Even Adam didn't believe God was enough, so they took the fruit in hopes that it would make their lives better than the one God had for them. First principle, when God is not enough, then we look to someone or something else. Now, turn to Jeremiah chapter 2. Years ago, I heard this verse preached at a conference. I've never been the same ever since I heard that, that sermon. Jeremiah chapter 2, speaking on behalf of the Lord, his prophet, verse 13. Speaking the Lord's word, Jeremiah says, for my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So every time that we sin against God, make excuses why we shouldn't obey him, we are telling the Lord, you're not enough for me, I need this in my life, I've gotta have it, it will make my life better, it will fulfill me, and we choose to rebel against the fountain of life. The serpent 
in essence, is telling Eve, you need more than what God's given you. You need more. Oh, your eyes need to be open so you can know good and evil, so you can truly be like God. She was already like God. She was in the image of God. He sold a lie to her. God's provision is not enough for you, Eve and Adam. You need more. They both decided they wanted more than what God was offering. Rejecting God, replacing the fountain of living water with broken cistern. What is a cistern? Much like a well, it's a structure or part of the earth that would be used to capture water in a very dry and arid climate in the Middle East. You had to figure out all the ways that you keep water from, from losing it for your, for, to drink and for crops, for bathing. But God says, when you forsake me, the fountain of living water, and replace me with cisterns that are broken, they can't even do what I intended them to do. It's two evils. Two evils that you're guilty of, God says. The cisterns that we make for ourselves, this is in your handout, are the idols that we look to for hope, for fulfillment, for purpose. Just like Adam and Eve, we take that fruit, we take those idols into our lives, into our hands. And when we do, what we get is not what we thought it would be. Maybe it is at first, but over time, all those substitutes that we put in place of the Lord are never enough compared to the eternal satisfaction that we find in Him. So that first statement, the first part of it, wasn't really true because that's just our perception when we sin that God's not enough. More correctly, second principle, God is more than enough. But when we look elsewhere for fulfillment, it is never enough. This morning, church, let's say to ourselves, no more excuses for finding fulfillment outside of God. By God's grace, may we hunger and thirst for Him more than anything or anyone else. So how do we come to experience this truth that God truly is more than enough. Two simple principles. The first one is this. Walk in relationship with the Lord God. Look back at Genesis 3. We left off with verse 8. Let's read verse 8 again. Then I'll look at verses 9 and 10. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. They hear God walking in the garden. And they hide. Before the fall into sin, Genesis 3, Adam and Eve had perfect relational intimacy with one another and with God. They had unfettered access to their creator who walked among their dwelling place in that garden that he made for them and they could commune with him face to face. 
No shame, no guilt, no sin. But that's what sin does. Sin brings guilt. They knew they had done wrong. Sin brings a desire to try to cover it up or hide from God or run from God. When we seek fulfillment outside of God, then we commit to evils. We forsake the fountain of living water. Then we have these substitute idols that can't even hold water. We create a relational separation. Isaiah 59 verse 2. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Yet in the story, it's marvelous gospel truth. Scarlet thread of redemption running even through Genesis chapter 3. First we see the incredible mercy of God. That he seeks after them. Calls out to them. They're running away hiding. God pursues them. Oh what mercy our God has. Anybody here today that's ever been pursued by the living God? All of us. Listen, if you're born again, guess what? You've been pursued by the Spirit of God. Because no one comes to the Father unless they're drawn by the Holy Spirit. But in the passage, God brings judgment upon the serpent, upon the woman, upon the man. In the midst of all these consequences of leaving the garden and death one day for them physically. God gives this promise in the midst of judgment to the serpent. Look at verse 15. God's speaking to the serpent. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. You see, one day when the fullness of time would come, God would send his only son Born of a woman under the law, Galatians 4.4. And this Jesus of Nazareth would be bruised in the hill by his enemy Satan. But on the cross, Jesus would deal a fatal blow to the enemy. Glory to God, amen. And was risen from the dead. The power of the cross would deal a fatal blow to the enemy. Theologians refer to Genesis 3.15 as the proto-eongelion, the first gospel. Don't ever say there's not grace in the Old Testament. There's no gospel in the Old Testament. Read your Bibles. It's there. He's the same God. Genesis in 3.21, we read these, this verse. And the Lord God made for Adam... And for his wife, garments of skin and clothed them. Now I know that God has spoken out of nothing all things. And that God could have very much spoke out of nothing garments of clothing for his, his first creation of man and woman. But it's much, much, much more likely, if not absolutely true, that God took one of those innocent animals... And sacrificed it, put it to death, and then took those, the skins of those animals, and clothed 
his naked, broken creation. An innocent creature was put to death in its garments with clothes, Adam and Eve. Jesus, the Lamb of God, is put to death. The innocent one for all of us who are guilty, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring us to God. 1 Peter 3.18. So in order for God to be more than enough for you and for me, you have to walk in relationship with him. And you and I can only be in right relationship with God through Jesus. What he's done for us. Because all of us are naked, ashamed, guilty, rebellious, sinners in need of God's grace. And then his grace comes to us. And he wraps that garment around us. He wraps us in the righteousness of Jesus and clothes us. Oh, what a great God. And after that happens, then we walk after God. We follow him in believer's baptism. We grow and walk in relationship. And as we taste and see how God is so good, then we realize he is more than enough. He he is all that I need. It comes from walking with God in relationship, spending time by yourself in prayer and in the word of God, spending time with other believers in prayer and in the word of God. And we grow and we hunger after God. That's how you'll know God's more than enough. You walk with him in relationship. Second, you believe what God has said. You believe what God has said. So simple the truths. But we fail so much to keep these. Believe what God has said. When you look at the passage, Eve and Adam, they didn't really believe what God had said to them. They thought it's worth taking the fruit, even though God said that we would die. I mean, what's death anyway? Did they didn't know what it was, perhaps? I don't know. They, they just didn't believe it. They listened to the lie. They wanted the knowledge of good and evil. They wanted to be like God. It's something they wanted to be like God, but they didn't want to trust what God had said. Tragedy. And sometimes we find ourselves doubting God's good intentions for us. That's what the serpent's telling them, saying to Eve, God's holding out on you. He's keeping from you, but you can have this and you can take and you can eat. Listen, God's intentions are always good for us. Always. How do we know God's good intentions? By knowing and believing his word. What he has said. What he continues to say to us as he speaks to us through his Holy Spirit. Now some of us here today know what God has said. We understand and know his word. But because our lives betray our profession or what we say we believe, then really we don't really believe it. And so this morning I want to read three psalms to you and ask three questions to you and for me. I've walked with people through times of darkness and depression and spiritual warfare and, and, and there are times when folks can't really feel God or or they don't know if God really loves them. And I say, go to the, let's go to the Psalms together. Let's just see the passion and the love and the affection of the heart. Because this, the book of Psalms, this was the Hebrew hymnal. This was their book of worship. Of expression, of praise. Psalm 63.3. 3. 
God, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So do we believe that? His steadfast love is better than life. If we do, then we'll abide in his love. John 15 says, you can know you're abiding in his love when you keep his commands. Psalm 36, 7 through 9. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. So do we feast on the abundance that God has given us through his church, his body? Do we drink directly from the Lord, our fountain of life? Because Jesus tells the woman at the well in John 4, just if you would drink, you would never thirst again. The fountain, or have we, have we forsaken the fountain and made for ourselves cisterns that hold no water? Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Do we find fullness of joy, eternal pleasure in the presence of our wonderful Savior and Lord? And if we don't, then we're going to find it somewhere else. And it will be a broken, empty cistern. God is more than enough. May, may we all say, Lord, I make no more excuses for why I can't find all my fulfillment in you. The reason we look elsewhere is because we believe that person or thing will satisfy us more than our creator. Don't listen to the serpent's lie, church. The fountain of living water, he is calling us to come. Making a way for our sinful, rebellious brokenness with his grace that he wraps around us and clothes us with in Christ. Today may we come to the one who offers us fullness of joy in his presence. May we come and feast on the abundance that he offers us so that we will desire the Lord more than anything or anyone else in all the world. I'll close with Isaiah 55, 1 and 2. Come, everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligent to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Pray with me. Oh God, you're calling us to come and find all of our fulfillment in you. You are more than enough. Lord, let this church, let me, let our hearts just be broken before you, God. Forgive us for replacing you with things that cannot hold living water. You are the living water. We turn to you. We run to you. Let there be hunger, thirst for you today. Reignite that thirst that perhaps has been buried deep through the deception of sin that even entangles believers. Oh, God. Draw us to yourself. We love you. Have your way now as we respond in Jesus' name. Amen. In a moment, we're going to sing, Jesus paid it all. And because he paid it all, we owe everything to him. This morning, maybe you need to come and taste and see that God is good. He is so good. You say, Pastor, I'm hungry for more of the Lord. If that's you. I know a few weeks ago, I preached a message and somebody came to, to the front and he just, he just said, I'm, I want more of God. <laughs> Maybe that's you. If it's not you, then something's wrong. We all, want, we all should want more. 
We all should hunger and thirst for more of Jesus. But maybe you just want to come and share that with me so I can pray for you and walk with you. Maybe you want to come and pray at this altar. But maybe this morning, you know that you've never been clothed with the righteousness of Jesus. And if you were to stand before God one day, he would say, depart from me. I never knew you. Don't let that be the story of your eternity. Today you come, you repent, turn from your sins, place your faith in Jesus alone. No other hope that we have. No other hope. No other way but Jesus. He's the only way. Turn to him. I plead with you, church. Don't play games with God. You can never walk in right relationship with God unless you come through Jesus. Today, maybe you just need to believe what God is saying and put your faith into action. I want you to stand. I want you to sing this great old hymn of praise to Jesus. And if you need to join this church Follow him in believer's baptism. Whatever God wants you to do, this is our time to respond. We'll be here all day if necessary. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here as we sang. Have your way. Let's sing and let's respond to him together.